Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, a roughly one hour, unscripted, interactive, conversational Bible study between a group of genuine misfits transformed by God's amazing grace. My name is Zach Adams. I am a Christ follower, a husband of one. I outplay my coverage. Jessica is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, second to Jesus. I'd like to wish her an early happy birthday. I am a father of three, Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel. Uh, I am the luckiest guy in the world because I get to pastor, I think, the greatest church around, Calvary 316. Uh, we're not a large church, but we are a very cool place, uh, a genuine uh, group of believers, transparent, family, such a cool place. If you're interested in learning more about the church, just visit calvary316.com. Again, calvary316.com. Uh, tonight, I'm joined in studio, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro behind the madness, uh, the producer of this dysfunction, my partner in crime. He goes by many names. Uh, this time of year, it's Scrooge McDuck, because he hates Christmas. Um, with his mustache, <laughs> he's Dick Dastardly. Uh, he goes by his God-given name as well, Creighton Vaughn. Creighton, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. Hello. I am still, I'm really, really leaning toward uh scrooge mcduck i like that a lot <laughs> you like that nickname i do i want to get basically the same shirt that you're wearing but with scrooge mcduck instead of trump okay for those that okay, don't yeah, yeah. know Show what them. shirt so if you're listening on the podcast um so here i'm going to actually stand up so people watching the live stream can see this shirt <laughs> make christmas great again yeah it is it is a uh, so uh, a couple years ago i went to a christmas party and it was one of those like ugly sweater contests mm -hmm. and i bought this and i think i bought it for like 15 bucks and i made 100 so this <laughs> this sweater has has yielded uh, wonderful returns i don't wear it anywhere else uh but knowing that tonight was gonna be a christmas episode i thought i'd break it out so if you're watching on the podcast it is a it is a uh, a, a really terrible christmas green and it says make christmas <laughs> great again with a picture of donald trump president trump wearing a santa hat wearing a santa hat so anyway uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> also joined in studio tonight, uh, the three amigos. We've got, uh, to my uh, working right to left, we've got Mr. Nicholas Monty, who ha really has no nickname, but that's Nick Monty right there, rocking maybe the Outlaw Radio one day. shirt. One day. Say what? I said one day, maybe one will come. <laughs> maybe one day you'll get a nickname. Yeah. Uh, we've got, uh, he really needs no introduction, that is the ugliest what is it? Reindeer hat? Vixen, probably. I don't yeah, know which it's one. Yeah, it's, it's not, not Rudolph. It's not Rudolph. It's a Prancer or Vixen. Deal Daddy Derek, also known <laughs> as Derek Kennedy. Derek, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. Hello. How you doing, man? How's your week going? It's, it's all right, man. I'm, I'm excited for Christmas. <laughs> You're excited for Christmas? This will yeah. be a fun Christmas for you, man. First, I mean, with, with yeah, Kelly. First and Christmas married, so that'll be awesome. Man, it's I'm great. And your home, you've been, you've been decorating. You yeah. just bought oh, a new no. door. Oh, it looked like Christmas threw up in our house, and I love it. And you it's love awesome. it. That's great. That's great. I, I heard, I uh, hate to bring this up, but I heard you locked yourself and your wife out of your house. Um, no comment. No comment. All right, we'll move right along <laughs> to uh, Spice Daddy, also known as Justin Honeycomb. Uh, Justin, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. This is my favorite time of year. I guess it comes with the fact that I'm a fat white guy with a beard, but you know. That's true. <laughs> you are very jolly. It also, yeah, it's because yeah. it's Christmas, and it it's is. a wonderful time of the year. Um, I love your hat. Can you very quickly, again, for those listening on the podcast, you have to describe it. But for those that might might be watching, can you explain what that hat is? Uh, it's basically the get a good angle. It's an Arabic symbol. Arabic, Arabic, Arabic uh, basically the Arab uh, letter 
in noon noon uh and uh it stands for nazrani or nazarene uh which is what they call christians so in fact during uh again this would be a few years i'm sure they're still doing it but when isis was really prevalent and they were ravaging you know kind of the from syria through iraq they were targeting christians and they would spray paint you know the arabic in as a symbol of like, hey, these people need to be targeted, and uh, and yet Christians have kind of now kind of adopted that as a as a badge of, of honor, uh, solidarity, kind of like the uh, the Igthus was maybe in the first century, the, right? The, the right. And the term fish. Christian as a whole, yeah. didn't it mean little Christ? They called us that as a as a derogatory term right. in Antioch, the little little Christ. And it's like, okay, th- what a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. acting like Jesus. Yeah. That that was the goal. I, I think it's funny that it, it stands for basically means a Nazarene, which has always been kind of an insult or a bad thing to be called by, but mm-hmm. it's true. It's that, a, that's very true. So if you are new to the show, the way that this show operates, the way it works is, um, it is a conversation. That's why these guys are here and they're free to interject. Um, at any point it is designed to be interactive. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, this might not be as relevant for you. Uh, but if you are watching the live stream, uh, again, Wednesday nights at 8 PM, we live stream the show. Um, the comment section on both facebook.com slash the radio outlaw or our YouTube channel, which is outlawradio.live. Uh, from both locations, there's a comment section below the video feed. And from there, you can type in comments, feedback, ask questions. Creighton is monitoring those pages. And, uh, and if what you're sharing is edifying and, and, and the gatekeeper decides it should be added onto the show, uh, we can interact uh, kind of in real time, which is, which is also a really fun component um, of doing the show the way that we're doing it. And finally, what makes, I think, Outlaw Radio unique is that the show is unscripted. So I don't know what we're talking about tonight. Uh, the fellows in the room don't know what we're talking about tonight. The only one that knows is Scrooge McDuck over there, uh, whose job it is not only to produce the live stream and whatnot, is to come up with a topic of discussion. It's my role to turn it into a Bible study that's edifying and interesting, and these guys help me with it. So with all that being said, Creighton, let's... Uh, Let's dive into the deep end of the swimming pool. Okay, so um, first off, I would like to say if you're watching the live stream, if you're listening to the podcast, and you have small children around, uh, now would be the time to to oh uh, man, remove we get a disclaimer. Them. We're getting yes. a disclaimer. Yes, you will want to remove them. This is a serious topic. Um, I don't want to be the first to broach the subject with your kids. Um, this is the kind of conversation that a responsible adult will have with their kids at some point. This has to mean we're talking um, about Santa Claus. Song of it Solomon. Is. Song of Solomon. <laughs> 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 Chapter yeah. one, verse one. No. <laughs> yes. Uh, the question is Santa Claus. Uh, and we can take that in a couple of ways because in this room we have a father of three, uh, two prospective fathers, whether they realize it or not. They're practicing. Um, they're and practicing. It two people who at some point may have the opportunity to possibly at one time have a child. Possibly procreate. Right. We have one procreator <laughs> and three poten- four potentials. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Four yeah. potential procreators. So the question is, um, like on a, in a broad sense, are, should Christians do Santa Claus? Is doing Santa Claus a moral choice? And if it is a moral choice, is lying to your kids about Santa Claus a sin? <laughs> Man, okay, you okay, you gotta like touched all of them. All right, I, I yeah. gotta like go through these, like lay out the questions one at a time again. You kind of just threw them all out there. 
Okay. One at a time, slowly. Speak slowly so, so we know exactly what we're going to try to talk about. The first question is, and the, they're kind of all wrapped up in one, which is why I dropped them all. But the first question is, um, should Christians do Santa Claus or should they not do sh- Santa Claus? As in, should the, 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 whole, the whole mythos about there being a real man that lives at North Pole, should they or should they not do Santa Claus? Is it actually a moral choice? Um, and if it is a moral choice, is lying to your kids about Santa Claus a sin? And I feel very strongly about all three of those things. <laughs> of Hence the nickname Scrooge McDuck. Okay, before, we, before I even attempt uh, to get into this particular topic, uh, I say get into this particular topic, uh, before I attempt to tiptoe my way through <laughs> a minefield. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you for that, Scrooge McDuck. Um, <laughs> let, let me kind of throw it to you guys. Oh, yeah. How did your families... And again, don't, we're not answering the question yet. We're okay. just kind of talking from personal experience. I'll begin. Uh, growing up, uh, my family, um, my mom and dad, I was the oldest. I have three younger siblings. Uh, we did not do uh, Santa Claus at all. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't part of our Christmas tradition. It wasn't part, um, you know, of course, it's hard to live in America and be completely detached from the mythology of Santa Claus. He's kind of... And I'll get to that in a minute. So like my grandparents who were big into Santa Claus, they would give us presents. I remember as a kid and, and you know, one or two would be from Santa Claus and we knew Santa Claus wasn't real. Uh, so we had fun with that. It wasn't a big deal. My grandparents enjoyed it and we kind of played along, um, et cetera. And then at school, you know, when you had friends that, you know, you get the speech with, from your parents at some point where it was like, Hey, uh, not everyone shares our position about Santa Claus. Uh, this is not your job to spoil it for your friends that might believe in Santa Claus, um, which, you know, was really a, a check on my personality. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, um, so we didn't do Santa Claus. There was there was none of that. My wife absolutely did growing up. I mean, there were like, you know, she lived in Iowa. So there was like snow for Christmas. And so there were like Rudolph prints, you know, and, and they went all out with Santa Claus. Um, I will say for uh, my, you know, before I even get to my, my family, my family, uh, guys, what was your, so I had no context, no experience with Santa Claus. I had, um, my parents made me believe that there was a Santa growing up. So I, they did the whole Santa Claus thing where Santa came and, you know, put the gifts out and everything. And so I was the middle child. And what was weird about it is my sister's 10 years younger than me. So at, 15 years old, 12 years old, or however old I was, I knew she was only two or three. So they still tried to do it with her, and we had to. I had to go on and. You had to play along. I had to play along and be part of that. So growing up until I was out of the house, you know, at 19, 20, well, 18, 19 years old, I had to play along with it because she was only eight or nine at that time and still, I think, believed. So you were, you were like diehard Santa Claus. Like, you yeah, woke my up parents, looking for Santa Claus. Yeah, we put the cookies out. We did all that stuff. And they were, like, eaten and half the class was drank. And yeah, but I was a terrible child, and I found out real early because <laughs> I would snoop downstairs and see my dad setting up all the presents and be like, oh, look, it's from Santa. I'm like, yeah, you set those up. So that's how you, like, you weren't actually, you weren't told. No, I found out. You Sherlock Holmes that joke. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
how old were you when it was like, this is nonsense? I think I was like eight or nine. Eight or nine? Yeah. Eight or nine years old. So you were like third grade, fourth grade. Yeah, probably. I'm trying. I know. I remember what house I was in, but I'm trying to get the age group what I was, was the, in my house. What was your reaction to it? I mean, were you upset with your parents? Did you feel deceived? No, I didn't have really any feelings towards it at all. I was just kind of like, well, I'm still going to get presents. Did like, you have a sneaking suspicion? Yes. At all. I probably. Yeah, that's why I went snooping around. I mean, to say the truth, like, why would I be sneaking around if I didn't have a suspicion? So that, you get to eight or nine, and you're like, this fat man can't fit down our chimney. Something is off. Yeah, mm-hmm. or, and then, I mean, in that same year, I think I found the same presence upstairs in the attic. <laughs> That came down from Santa. So it's just like Santa's storing yeah. his presents. Yeah, in our why attic. is he storing? <laughs> yep. Okay. Things aren't adding up. So, uh, d- so, so, Deal Daddy, what, what was your experience? Man, for me, just, well, growing up, I think when I was young, so I was the oldest, but when I was younger, there was, like, they talked about Santa and just like, oh, the spirit of Christmas, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Santa, yeah, he brings presents just to keep it fun. It wasn't like a, more of a moral obligation. It was just like, y'all are children. You don't really understand this yet. You're three, four, or five, whatever. Yeah, Santa, he's going to bring you some presents in the morning if you're good all year. Um, but I remember being probably five or six and snooping and found something, or I found a present and then just realized it was mine. But I think I did catch my dad, like, putting the presents under the tree. I would stay awake. I would stay awake to listen. I heard mm-hmm. somebody rustling around crack the door, peek open. It was just my dad. But I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Main reason, we didn't have a chimney. So I was <laughs> like, how are you getting in? Yeah, and because uh, I, I think I vaguely remember asking them that. Like, oh, he just kind of comes in the front door if you don't have a chimney. And I was like, that's he has not a key. right. <laughs> that's and, not no, right. even then, I was like, that's not right. And uh, so I just never, I don't know, I never really remember believing in santa i remember hearing about santa and just being like nah that ain't real just from a young age i feel so you were never a believer no was- never a believer like oh i would believe in it like okay you know what that's cool that's fun like that's fun to believe in yeah. but i that's not like if if my kids i'm like oh yeah santa's cool but those presents came from daddy he worked hard to get those deal presents. Dad. That's why yeah. you're known as Deal Daddy. Deal Daddy. <laughs> deal Daddy Derek. Santa's cool. He goes to every house except this one, and Daddy gets you those I, presents. Mommy and to, Daddy get those. I have to say, you know, I've, I've had a hard time, you know, reconciling that song, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Because if you really believe in Santa Claus, I don't think this episode Harley. of the Outlaw Radio Show is offensive. It's when that song comes on the radio. Like, what do you do? Santa's an yeah. adulterer. Yeah. Well, Harl- is he or no. mommy's and, and having mom, an affair? Mommy's a harlot. That's what mom's a whore. <laughs> Christmas whore with Santa. Oh, that's the next Hallmark movie. The <laughs> Christmas oh, no. whore with no. Santa. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good grief. So, yeah, no, we never really, I, I don't think I ever really, it for the younger siblings, like my brother and my sister, if my parents would try and do that for, I never spoiled it, though. Like, they ended up doing the same exact thing, snooping, finding presents, get them on Christmas morning. The tag said, oh, to Connor from Santa or to Derek from Santa. And we were like, yeah, no. All right, so, Justin, <laughs> what uh, – you and I have similar backgrounds. So, what was, what was the whole – how did that play out in your home? Pretty much the same way as you. <laughs> as, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost like word for word exactly – as you, uh, they, they pretty much told me right off the bat, 
when I had understanding, of course, like Santa didn't. Santa isn't real. Santa isn't real. So let me, because uh, Creighton, the way that you kind of frame this is that, you know, we have a multitude of different perspectives. And, um, and part of you asking me is just as a parent, um, how, do I, how do I approach it? Um, I, I want to I kind of handle it in two different ways. I want to I I jump right out there as a pastor and then kind of as a parent. And then we're going to kind of backtrack our way into getting to the essence of your question. Okay. Um, as a pastor, um, I, I don't take any positions about Santa Claus at all. You know, it's, it's not one of those things where, um, you know, we don't, we're not one of those churches where we're, where we're kind of propping up the mythology. It's crazy to me that you've got a lot of churches in our area, um, I say churches loosely, that have like, come get your picture with Santa Claus events. You know, you actually have Santa Claus tethered into the Christmas narrative, like within the church culture. And it's mm-hmm. within the church culture, there's a whole lot, you know, about, about Santa Claus, where it's like, man, I, I think we're kind of missing something. Uh, we don't include Santa Claus at all at Calvary 316. Um, it's not it's not something, you know, for Christmas Eve, like our Christmas Eve service. Uh, we'll do a birthday party for Jesus. Old Saint Nick has no has no part of it. This is about Jesus's birth. He's the reason for the season. Uh, we keep the main thing the main thing. Now, that being said, um, there are a lot of Christians that are just really uberly pretentious um, about the topic. Whereas, you know, I, I've been studying, uh, been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. I've been studying chapter 7 of Matthew this week. And Jesus opens the chapter, judge not lest you be judged. You know, with the same measure in which you judge, you'll be, it'll be measured back to you. And it's like, you know, for me, this is not the hill I want to be judgmental on. You know, this is not the hill that, you know, as a church that, that I want to die on. There are a lot of more pressing issues in our culture um, that are controversial that we'll have to take a stand on and suffer blowback for. Um, Santa Claus not being one of them. I think, you know, if, if there are parents, and we have parents in our church that, I mean, they go all out with Santa Claus. And that's fine. Hey, man, you know, I, I think that there's some freedom, some flexibility uh, for each family to kind of make their own decisions. So as a pastor, you know, I, you know, I, I don't really approach the topic like some do that are very black and white because you have those that are like, well, you're uh, and again, not to get ahead of ourselves. You're lying to your kid. You're a deceiter. This is sinful. Um, you know, shame on you to the point that, like, you bring your kid to church. We're going to tell them the truth. I, I, you know, I think that's a little overboard. It's a little overreactionary. And again. We navigate culture. <laughs> and so, you know, is that really, do you want your church to be known as the anti-Saint Nick church? Um, I, I'm not sure that's, that's really exactly um, the big end that, that, you know, you, you should stake your flag on. Um, as, a pas- as, a, as a pastor, that's a, an approach. I'm very neutral. I don't really have an opinion. I don't talk about it. Um, in private, if someone came up and was like, hey, you know, we're kind of like really struggling with this. What do you think? I would share my honest opinion, but I'm not. If asked on a podcast. <laughs> or, or asked on a podcast, which is a different venue. <laughs> it's not something I would talk about from the pulpit in, in this context. I will say, it's kind of a funny story. Um, years ago, I did, um, I, did a, a, I can't even really call it a sermon. It was more like an introduction to a sermon series through Christmas um, where I was talking about like the reason for the season. And the whole first, the, the first message was kind of about like, how do we navigate this, this whole Christmas thing? And, and, 
you know, and I went through a whole bunch of stats of like how we've developed these traditions. Is is Christmas really like, um, you know, a twisted Christianized version of a pagan holiday? Where were the origins of the Christmas tree? Where did we get Santa Claus? Which I, I can actually get to um, the the origins of Santa Claus, how we developed this tradition, which I think is a very interesting thing. And 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 so I went through a whole bunch about Santa Claus. Well, I had a friend of mine who had never been to our church before. Uh, he came to church. And he brought his, his daughter, who was, I think, seven at the time. And I was like, hey, man, you know, this, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're at church. Um, you know, we have a Sunday school class that I would really encourage you to take your daughter to, especially for this, this, this morning. He was like, no, no, I feel more comfortable. She stayed with me. And I was like, yeah, I'm really not sure this is the best one for. And he was like, no, nah, just we'll, we'll be cool. I was like, all right. And so, like. I go into this whole thing about Santa Claus and I can see him start squirming because you know, his seven-year-old daughter is like, is like, wait, what? And at one point he finally gets up um, and he takes his daughter to the Sunday school class. And afterwards I was, I was apologetic. I, I really was like, Hey, I told you this wasn't the Bible study. Uh, you know, I'm talking to adults who um, understand Santa Claus is not real. This is not a, a ch- children appropriate which I'm glad you gave the disclaimer, again, mm-hmm. for, for those that might be uh, watching or listening around children. I don't think it's my right to parent other people's child. I mean, I guess that's my point from a pastoral standpoint. But even as a parent, like, my job is not to pass to pastor or parent other people's children. Um, they have to stand before God and give an account, and I'll leave that there. Judge not lest you be judged. That being said, as a parent, our approach... Um, is very in line with how I grew up. Um, and, and again, I, I'm going to preface this that I'm speaking from an, a personal conviction. So I'm not trying to, to be judgmental. Um, I'm, I'm not comfortable um, lying to my children um, about Santa Claus and his role within Christmas and really Christmas morning. Um, maybe I'll take a step back. So our, our Christmas morning tradition is that, you know, we wake up. So there are no presents under the tree until late at night. And my wife puts them all out. And we do that because we don't want them walking up and, you know, shaking gifts and, you know, (laughs) evaluating, well, I have more gifts than you. And what could this be? It's like, we just remove all that. Everything is in our back bedroom and in our closet kids know that if they go in there, they it all gets sent back. Amazon's return policy is awesome. Um, <laughs> that being said, you know, kids go to sleep Christmas Eve. You know, in our Christmas Eve, we go to church. We, we have a bunch of friends over. It's, it's very family, friends-oriented. They go to sleep. Presents go out. They wake up in the morning, and they, they run down. And they're looking at stuff. And we wake up. We have breakfast. We eat breakfast together. Then they're allowed to open their stockings. That's step one to the process. So we eat, and then there's stockings, and then they got to stop. My parents show up. My parents come over, and my dad will read the, the biblical narrative of, of what this is all about. We give gifts to one another because it's, it's a response to the gifts that God has given us. Um, it's grace-driven. The whole idea of giving to one another is a response of what God has given us and the fact that we have the ability to. Uh, some years are lean, and thus there's less that's given. Some years there's plenty, and thus there's more that's given. And that's articulated in the ultimate gift, the greatest gift for God so loved the world that he gave, his only begotten son, and that Jesus, and, and what, sure, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, 
cool. There's a lot of history to it, but this is the date that we have picked to celebrate this. That's fine. But that's what we do. And so we read through the Christmas story and about, you know, Mary and Joseph and the angel and the shepherds. And we have the nativity scene and the kids are, are acting out the story as my dad's reading it with the characters. And, you know, because we're biblically accurate, the wise men show up about two years later. So they're in the kitchen <laughs> mm-hmm. um, while, you know, the, while the initial scene's happening. And I remember growing up, my, my mom had like this porcelain set of this, her a nativity set that was porcelain. And Mary had like a cavity under her. And so it was always funny because we would cram baby Jesus up into the cavity. And so as we're kind of acting out the story, you know, we'd shake out baby Jesus and he's born, you know. We're very literal people, the Adamses. But we would have fun with, again, our Christmas was very Christ-centric. The gifts, there was a purpose in them. It was a response to God's grace. There was a moral lesson to it, a spiritual lesson to it. And then we took time. Like it was, you know, I, I, it was always the conflict between my mom and dad because my dad's family were, again, very Santa Claus. And when the gifts, everyone just tore into them. And, and it was like a whirlwind for like 10 minutes. And that was it. Uh, my mom's very methodical. And thus, my wife is very methodical. You know, it's one at a time. You know, and thus we recognize with that person who gave it, what it was. There's an um, opportunity to say thanks or to film a little video to send it to a grandparent. Uh, or an aunt or an uncle. Um, and so, you know, it takes a little while. Um, and then at that point, we, we get to the real meaning of the season and we watch basketball the rest of the, the, rest <laughs> of the afternoon. Um, so there, there is no, as far as our family goes, and our, our morning tradition, there's no looking for Santa Claus. Um, that's, just, that's just not a thing. Now, regarding... Regarding... Um, Santa Claus with the children. Uh, we have never at any point uh, told them that Santa Claus uh, was real. Um, that being said, we've, we've taken more of the approach of like, okay. So when people talk about Santa Claus, when parents who are real into it, talk about Santa Claus, they make it, a, they make a connection that I don't agree with. Okay. And, and the connection is centered on the reality that a kid has to think something is real to fully enjoy the imagination behind it. And, and, and thus, the, the whole angle is like, well, if my kid knows that Santa Claus is not real and Rudolph is not a thing and this whole thing doesn't happen in the middle of the night to yield all of this, that if he knows or she knows it's not real, that, well, it lessens the, the enjoyment of the magic and the imagination of it. Well, I disagree because, I mean, my kids really enjoy um, Ninjago, which is the animated Lego movie. I mean, they love it to the fact that they act out the characters. They, they, they buy all the Lego sets. They build them. They enjoy it. They run around the yard with Nerf guns pretending to be these various things. I mean, we're into it. We watch all the movies, etc. cetera. Uh, I didn't have to convince my children that, that, that Ninjago was a real place. You know, and Gormadon was was an actual character. Like, I didn't have to prop up what is a very colorful and fun story under the pretense that it's actually real for them to enjoy it and for it to engage their imagination. My kids know that Peter Rabbit isn't real. There's not a rabbit that talks. 
but they love Peter Rabbit. Or my, my youngest, Mabel, is a Curious George fanatic. She loves Curious George. Um, but at no point did I ever feel a compulsion that I had to tell her that there was an actual real monkey that lived in New York City with, <laughs> with, with a guy in a yellow hat for her to like enjoy it and it engage her imagination. So like I, I disagree with the pretense that it's, it's an either or thing. Um, I know people that, that don't, and, and I use the term lightly, like they're not, they're not maintaining this facade of realism. They acknowledge what it is and they just play to the imagination of their children. So they incorporate Santa Claus without propping up this idea that Santa Claus is a real, is a real individual. Uh, so for our family, it's like we treat Santa Claus like a cool story, like a fun story. Um, we're not anti-Santa Claus, but Santa Claus is not real. And that's fine. Now, I'll tell you, um, that has been a very big challenge because so Quincy in particular spent kindergarten, uh, first grade and second grade in public school. And Theodore spent preschool in public school. And at our public school, when it comes to Christmas season or the holidays, man, Santa Claus is all over the place because again, there's no mention of Jesus there's no, uh, there's no even the acknowledgement of the religious connotations of the, the reason for the season, which is our entire emphasis. And so it's Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. And all of these, all of their secular friends and even Christian friends believe in Santa Claus. And so my kids felt very awkward um, in, in that secular setting, as in like, well, I know the truth. And now I'm being asked to just kind of like, also continue the lie like that's not fair to me my kids very much struggled with it because we told them like hey don't like just be chill about it like don't you don't don't ruin it for other kids i don't need 30 phone calls from people <laughs> i don't know getting on to me that that Qu i always joke that quincy like his first day of kindergarten like he again has my personality that he would stand up and say two things one you're going to go to hell if, if you don't give your life to Jesus. And two, Santa Claus ain't real. And then, like, we get kicked out of school and uh, we go to private Christian education. Um, so it has been a very difficult and kind of awkward thing. It's been a, we, since the pandemic, our kids have been in, in Christian school. And it has completely um, removed that kind of stress from, from, just, from just kind of the, the, the normal process. So that is, in, in a large sense how we handle it. It's a fun story. We're not anti old St. Nick. It's a fun thing to, to goof off with, but we don't have presents under the tree from Santa Claus. Uh, reason being is that we have presents under the tree from me because it was my money that bought those things. And I'm not giving, I'm not sharing credit with some fat guy that breaks into my house and steals cookies. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I work hard for my money. And like, I'm not like, I, I want my kid's reaction to be dad and mom. Thank you so much for this. Not thanking Thanks, some imaginary fool. Um, I mean, if you need me to break into your house and eat cookies, I will gladly do that. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> Spice Daddy, I, I, I might take you up on that. So that's just kind of like um, speaking loosely about how, how, how we've approached uh, Santa Claus. You know, I, I, I actually think in... Um, and we'll get to the, your question, but um, like, do you know how Santa Claus kind of came to be? How the the 
the legend developed? Because a, a lot of people don't. And I think it adds an interesting wrinkle to the whole conversation. Um, are, are you aware, Creighton? Like the, the German old Saint Nick giving presents out to the poor and prostitutes and whatnot? Okay, so I, I, pulled, up, I pulled up a section of um, the, the before-mentioned Bible study where I talked about Santa Claus. Um, I just want to read very quickly a little bit of the history of Santa Claus. This is one of my favorite histories of any character. It's, it's great. And it, I think it adds. I like it. Does. It's fun. It's fun. I actually read a book about Santa Claus and how, and how it, it developed. So historically, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, he was a Christian priest. He lived during the fourth century. Again, that was a long time ago. Uh, the legend states, again, the historical data, the research, church history, uh, that St. Nicholas, while a priest, was wealthy, and he was known in the community uh, for his generosity. Uh, Nicholas, though, didn't like to be seen giving gifts. The Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about you know giving in secret so that your Father in Heaven might see it, so you don't get the reward of men. So he's a, he's a priest, he's wealthy, and he loves, he's charitable. He's benevolent. And so, to keep his gifts anonymous, during the Christmas season, he would go around to some of the poor families in the area at night, late at night, and he would give the parents gifts for Christmas for the children, uh, but he would do it so that his identity would remain a secret. Um, The name Santa Claus is actually derived from the Dutch pronunciation of of St. Nicholas or Sinister Claus. Um, that's where we get Santa Claus from. Uh, in 1804, the New York Historical Society uh, was founded uh, with St. Nicholas as its patron saint. Um, as such, the members of the New York Historical Society, and again, this is early American history, adopted uh, the Dutch practice of gift giving at Christmas. And so uh, that's kind of the early introduction of some of these ideas. Uh, to um, Americana. The next significant development would be uh, Washington Irving. Uh, Washington Irving, uh, in 1809, uh, the legend of St. Nick gained life when he wrote a book called The History of New York. It was the first time that a picture of Santa Claus was introduced to society. It pictured Santa riding into town on a horse. Uh, Three years after that, Irving revised his book to describe Nicholas riding over the trees in a wagon. In 1821, uh, William Griley printed a poem titled Santa Claus. Uh, In it, he describes St. Nick as as being a man dressed in fur who drove a sleigh drawn by a single reindeer. Uh, In 1822, Clement Moore wrote an account of a visit from St. Nicholas in which Santa Claus was then portrayed as having a sleigh with eight reindeer. The poem was later renamed, you want to take a guess? It's famous. Anybody? A Night Before Christmas? The Night Before Christmas. In 1939, and so, you know, we're over 100 years later, uh, copywriter Robert L. May wrote a poem about Rudolph, the ninth reindeer, titled The Most Famous Reindeer of All. In 1949, Johnny Marks penned the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The song was then recorded by Gene Autry, uh, who I think is the greatest Christmas uh, vocalist of all time. Uh, It became a bestseller. Uh, During the 1890s, 
the Salvation Army added life to the legends of St. Nick by sending men dressed as Santa Claus into the streets of America to collect donations during the Christmas season. By 1920, the image of Santa was standardized to portray a bearded, overweight man dressed in a red suit with white trim. In 1931, Santa hit mainstream when Haddon Sublum, who was an illustrator for Coca-Cola, decided to include Santa in their Christmas advertisements. So that's 1931. Um, over the last century and a half, Christmas has grown to the point where it has become an American institution. Uh, and Santa Claus has been at the center of the commercialization of Christmas. Again, I bring that up to say that like Santa Claus, it's weird to think about, but it is largely a modernized American tradition. Like this is not something like that has like historical precedent. This is not something that we've been doing from generation to generation to generation. In fact, the truth is that Santa Claus really started to, to, to take gain like popularity within like our grandparents generation. Hmm. So like the idea that like, this is something that we always have is not true. Um, and it's it's not like some great Christian tradition. It's it's kind of completely secularized. Like it is, um, if it weren't for Coca-Cola, we probably would not be celebrating uh, Santa Claus at all. And so just kind of an interesting development in the way St. Nick came to be. But the origins, a, a benevolent priest who wanted to give gifts anonymously, I mean, that's something that should be celebrated and talked about. Now, now, Justin, you have anything you want to add? Because you kind of a historian, a historian on your own. No, I mean, I I think the history of him is interesting. Uh, the the story that I heard, he didn't just give gifts because uh, he's is like third or fourth century uh, Turkey. Yes, um, he was a wealthy man, come from a wealthy family, and then became a Christian or and a priest, and he took that. That uh, when Jesus told the rich man to give away all his possessions, oh, the rich man, ruler, yeah, he he took that to heart, and, and so uh, back then, and even in some cultures today, you have to give a dowry to be able to have your daughters wed off. So it's kind of the opposite of the way a lot of things are done here. Um, See, I it, think I think if you wanted to, if you really wanted to incorporate Saint Santa Claus, right? It's like okay. And maybe I should have thought about this years ago. This would have been a good strategy. <laughs> so you guys that don't have kids, here, this is how you can handle it. You can be like, listen, kids, Santa Claus is real. Or what was real? He's dead now, and he's with Jesus. But this guy, Santa Claus, was a wealthy guy, didn't know Jesus. And then Jesus, he gave his life to Jesus and changed his, his heart and his life, and he wanted to be a conduit of blessing. And so he started giving away all of his stuff. Like, like you could build up the entire, like where your kids are at school and they're talking about Santa Claus and he's like, yeah, he's a Christian hero. Did you know that? <laughs> Jesus yeah. changed his life. Right. And, awesome. And that's yeah. what I love about Santa. And, and yeah, he, he's not some jolly old fat man in the red suit that lives in the North Pole with a bunch of elves and the magic of Christmas. I kind of cringe every time I hear, oh, Christmas will be ruined if Santa can't deliver all the presents. And, but it's a good segue to transition to this, the the history of him and who he who he was, and 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 there's a good what, lesson to it. Yeah, and what Jesus did in his life is is kind of the same story as all of us. You know, right? It's, a, it's the heart of the gospel, right? So Santa Claus, 
Now let's get to the landmines. There are a couple. So it's not Tim Allen? So it's not Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I pretend all my presents come Wait from Tim Allen. Wait a second. I thought the tool man. Tim the tool Tim man. Tim the tool, tool man Taylor became Taylor. Santa Claus. He taught, who do you think taught the elves how to build? The <laughs> who became Mike Baxter from Last Man Standing? So, you know what I think would be funny? Again, a good parenting tip is to, to like illustrate the ridiculousness of all of this. Um, you should, um, you should also, if you're going to go ahead and tell your kids Santa Claus is real, we should also go ahead and start telling our kids the movie Elf is real. Mm. You know, <laughs> cause that's our favorite Christmas movie. We love watching oh, Elf as a yeah, family. A we laugh one. and our kids want to eat, you know, spaghetti with, with maple, maple syrup. syrup, on maple top syrup. Of it. Um, so back to back to you had a three prong question. Re- go ahead and repeat it for the audience, Craig. All right. So the first is should Christians do or do not Santa? Um, the question. The second is is Santa a moral issue? And the third is the biggest of the landmines, and that is is telling your kids that Santa is real a lie? Is that a sin? Like okay, is is uh, lying to your parent, lying to your kids about Santa, a sin? So, the Bible's very clear <laughs> that lying is a sin, right? So, if we're going to look at this and we're going to examine this from an honest biblical perspective, lying is a sin. Um, we tell our kids not to tell stories that are not true. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't matter if they're well intent and the lie. A lie is still a lie. It's it's you have the you have what's true and you have what, what's false. So from the letter of the law, sure, it's a lie. And thus a lie is a sin. Are you gonna go to hell because you tell your kids about Santa Claus? No. Is it a sin that Jesus died on the cross to to, to pay for? Yeah. Like you know, I mean we sin every day. Just you can add this to, to the list of sins you've already been forgiven for. So, you know, as far as like getting into the nitty gritty of it's a sin, to, like that comes across very very awkward for me, um, which is why I wouldn't necessarily classify it. But again, if you're wanting to get to the letter of the law, mm-hmm. sure, um, yeah, a lie is a sin, and is it is it true? Well, no, it's not true. That is, it doesn't matter if it's true. Well, no, if we're judging something between. What's a lie? Then yeah, it actually does matter if it's true or not, even if you're well intent, or if there's a, a, a an innocent purpose behind it. It's a lie is still a lie, and a lie is a sin. So th- that's the first component to it. Can I say something really? Yes, dive real in, quick. please. That's going to go maybe a little deeper than that. So it struck me when you said, when you grew up, your dad reads the Christmas story to your kids, tells you what the Christmas story is about. So if you're a Christian struggling with this question. And you want to do that or like you're you believe a Christmas story. You want your kids to know about the Christmas story, about how God gave his life to us free of grace, like just free of charge, grace forward, all grace. But yet you're going to make them or make them believe in something that they either have to be good or bad to get something in return for more or less. Like if you're bad, you get coal, you don't get anything. Or if you're good, you get more. That's not grace. You're not, amazing, the Christ, you're not teaching the Christ. You're not teaching. You're not teaching the Christmas story. 
You're not teaching them what the meaning of Christmas is. In fact, in fact, you're you're teaching them a perversion of the gospel. Yes, you're you are. You're teaching them an anti-gospel. You're teaching them something that's terrible. You're teaching the better you are, the more you get. In fact, you can the make the more you, you do. You can make the argument that Santa Claus is the anti-Jesus. Yeah. Uh, they have a word for that. <laughs> the Antichrist. <laughs> there it is. Um, but but I mean I mean where Jesus gives to us while we don't deserve it and we can't earn it, but He gives because He loves us and He cares for us, and then it's in response to that that we give. To others, even if we don't feel like it, and, and like, like, in our giving has a sacrifice to it. And that's a big thing that we do within within our family is that, that our kids give gifts, and we want to teach them that there's a there's a great like the biblical principle. There's greater joy in giving than to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but in contrast, like the the entire idea of Santa Claus is that you've got this. Um, you know, he's a jolly old fat man, but but anybody that's snooping on everyone, making a list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty and nice, can't be that joyful. And the reality is, like, how is anyone getting anything from Santa Claus? Yeah. Because our bad deeds far outweigh our good deeds. So yeah. it should be all coal. But then you're going to have a problem. You know, that might be the easiest way to kill the tradition because the, the climatologists are going to get all wigged out <laughs> about coal. now we're, we're promoting coal. Santa's promoting coal. Coal and stockings, it should be like batteries, you know, charging stations. Um, It can't be coal. What's he from West Virginia? Coal. But the idea of like, hey, you get gifts based upon merit, reward. And the the fallacy to that is that it doesn't actually play out that way. So you're you're even reinforcing an even an even worse idea because oh, yeah. because like for example you were a terrible child oh terrible <laughs> a how terrible much coal did you get none so that's yep. the thing it's like you knew you were terrible and it's like but Santa still gave me a bunch of stuff anyway when like he must be a really bad note taker <laughs> or he's just unjust or I'm not as terrible as I think I am <laughs> my parents are terrible that's why they don't get as much as I do at Christmas right they have this backwards. No, it's a very interesting point. So it's, it's like the story of Santa Claus actually reinforces um, a non-gospel. It's not good news. Um, it's 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 religiosity. It's the essence of of legalism. Um, this idea that 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 God's blessings are are completely based upon our merit, our our earning, our deserving. Where again. If you get to the essence, the reason for the season, Jesus, the gospel, it's like it was while we were still sinners that God sent his only begotten son, that Jesus gave his life uh, so that we might be saved. Like it's it's the greatest gift none of us deserve. Um, so how then can't we in in turn be be generous and benevolent to one another? Um, so getting back to is lying a sin sure? Uh, to me, the ethical angle. I think Christians that, and again, this is one man's opinion. I think Christians miss an opportunity. And they convolute what could be a wonderful opportunity by going hard with Santa Claus. For all the reasons we talked about, what Nick just brought up. To me, I think it's an unforced error. Listen, as believers, we, we, all, we all have to navigate this, this idea of how do we live in the world but not be of the world. Like, how do we, how do we 
navigate the tides of culture without being swept away? How do we, how do we live and relate without being compromised? Where, where, and this might be a better way to say it, as Christians, we should be looking for ways where we can be distinct. Now, th- those things should be obvious. Uh, they should be real. But I think Christmas provides a really stark opportunity for Christians to differentiate ourselves from the world. Um, it's a holiday in which we're celebrating the birth of Christ and all of the, the spiritual principles that are related and connected to it. And yet we, we shove all that aside and we embrace this cultural thing of Santa Claus, this, this at best, morality of legalism. A, 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 it's a distraction from what is the light. Again, you know, John opens... You know, it's interesting, the Gospels. You, know, you only have one reference to Jesus' birth, and that is in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Luke, Luke's narrative uh, picks up on the wise men. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the pregame show with Zacharias and John the Baptist, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, and then, it, and then it, it segues, yes, Mary's pregnant. We have the, you know, her declaration, the, mag- the Magnificent, her song. Uh, and then we get to the wise men. Um, Mark, Jesus being a slave, doesn't mention it at all. John doesn't really talk about it either. Um, you know, Christmas, this idea of the celebration of Jesus' birth, you don't find it mandated in Scripture. Um, you don't find uh, the birth of Jesus pinpointed as as being a significant holiday. Uh, it wasn't embraced by the early church. It wasn't celebrated by the early church. It, uh, it was never talked about by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the only thing that we were to celebrate is the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, we do that Easter. It should be every Sunday. It's Resurrection Day. The church gathers on Sunday to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. But Christmas was not something like Jesus was like, I was born on this day. Gather in my name. Paul doesn't talk about it. Every December, get together, and this is what, you know, it's not there, which, which tells us from a biblical standpoint, it's, it's not that big of a deal, but at the same time, it is a big deal in our culture, and it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. I feel the same way with Easter, but maybe even more strongly with, than Easter, with, with Easter about it being the resurrection. We don't do the Easter bunny or all that nonsense. This is about the resurrection of Jesus. So from an ethical standpoint, I just think, I think as a Christian, as a parent, as a Christian, um, I think you can absolutely have fun with the story of Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you can read the stories, and you can watch the movies, and you can have fun with it. I'm not prohibiting that. But I think we, we, we it's an unforced error, again, to use that phrase, to, to overemphasize Santa Claus at the expense of of what the season can really be and what can really be emphasized. You know, it's why I mean I mean you you research like top ten Christmas carols. They're all religious and theme. And yet we've allowed kind of this thing to get hijacked again by by the commercial institution of capitalism. So I, lying's a sin. If you make a big deal about Santa Claus, that's cool. I'm not judging you. Do I, do, will, am I doing that? No. Um, and do I think there's a better way? Sure. You can disagree with me and that's cool. You got to have wrong opinions for mine to be right. So, I mean, that's fair game. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, you've been kind of quiet over there. Uh, I don't know if it's just the antlers 
on top of your head. Yeah. Any I mean, thoughts to all of this? Obviously, my hat knows that Santa's real. That your so, hat knows Santa's yeah. real. No, I'm good. I mean, I agree fully. I don't really have anything to say about it. It's just like, yeah, he's not real, and it's up to you what you do with it. I mean, how you. When go you have about children, it. what are you gonna do? No, that Santa's not real. Daddy bought those presents. Mommy bought those presents. Like, we'll tell them, like, look, I mean, exactly how you did. Like, this is something that they're not going to be able to avoid. If they're in public school, the majority of the kids that are around them are going to believe in Santa. And they're going to celebrate Christmas in that way. But I definitely want to keep them rooted and be like, no, this is what Christmas is. But this is what's going on around it. And this is why. So, but, yeah, no, I'm never going to be like, yeah, I mean, well, Santa is there. But he's not who you think he is. He doesn't bring those presents to you. Let me throw one more wrinkle here here at the end. And I think this is a caution. Again, it would be very easy for all of this to come across sounding very legalistic, and that is not the intent. Um, again, you know, obey your conscience. You know, judge not lest you be judged. This is not about judgment. It's about a question and sharing our thoughts on it. I will add one wrinkle. And it's a caution. To the parents that do completely embrace and therefore kind of lie to their kids about Santa Claus. Um, Inevitably, you need to understand the day will come uh, where your kids realize you've been lying to them. Don't argue with me. That is a fact. The harder you go with with the, the charade, the more devastating the disappointment. Um, Kids are innocent. They do have incredible imaginations. Uh, It's what you're actually playing on. And at some point, hear you as their parent, as the most trusted people in their lives, uh, you you have been telling them something that you knew to be a deliberate falsehood. And you've been telling them it's real and you've been going hard for years. And then at some point, whether it's a a friend that drops the word or whether it's um, like Nick, where you start connecting the dots and figuring it out on your own, or whether like your kid is a few fries short of a Happy Meal and you're like, oh my gosh, my 13-year-old still believes in Santa. (laughs) I need to have a a serious conversation because they look ridiculous at school. Um, Whenever it happens, there will be a moment where your kid will have this thought, my, my mom and dad have been lying to me. That, that's how they'll interpret it. And that's just not me saying it. Um, that's probably how you felt when you, when, when, when you finally were enlightened. And if your kid at that moment takes one more step where they're like, well, wait a second. If my parent has been lying to me about Santa Claus... And whereas I've never seen him before and, and, and I've been told to believe blindly in faith, if, I can't, if, if, if that was untrue and false and therefore devastating, what else have been, they been telling me to believe that I can't see that might also be false? What, what other urban legend or myth have they been, they've been stressing and teaching and pushing um, that might also be untrue. And if that kid or child thinks, well, what about Jesus? If Santa Claus is not real, and you've been telling me he's real, 
then how can I believe you that Jesus is real? Because you've been, you've been using all of the same logic to substantiate this story about Santa Claus to also substantiate this story about Jesus. So wait a second. How can I believe you about that? Now, you might think I'm, I'm overblowing it or that this is hyperbole, um, but I will say this, that that is a logical conclusion. It's a logical question for your kid to ask. And for me, I, as a parent, um, I want my kids more than anything else in this world um, to trust that what I'm telling them about Jesus is true. And thus, I have to make sure that what I tell them about, about everything is true. And that means that, like, there are some difficult realities that arise that, 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 are, that are hard, right? That are hard. Um, having your kids ask you about, you know, they saw riots in the streets, you know, over the death of some guy they don't know about. And you're like, man, this is a very complicated topic for me to try to explain to a seven-year-old. But I'm not going to lie to you, and I've got to now try to frame this. Like, that's a little different than, like, actively pushing a falsehood. Um, for me, I, I want my words to matter to my children, and, and thus I'm very careful with that. Now, again, you be led by the Lord, um, but I think you should think about things maybe a little bit more broadly because, like I mentioned, I think you can have a lot of fun with the story um, without having to... To, to make it true. So, did, did that kind of help? I mean, I, I, I probably stepped on several landmines, and that's fine. Uh, but Creighton, you, you said you have a very hard, hard line, hard position. So wh where are you, and, and has this helped maybe broaden your, your perspective? Yeah, I, um, I actually grew up in a very similar situation that you did Sunday, or not Sunday, Christmas morning. We had the, you know, we had a whole breakfast, and we did the Christmas story and then gifts. And then we didn't watch basketball because nobody in my favorite because of basketball, but we <laughs> didn't do Santa at all. Um, and I actually, I can't, I come at it from the same direction that you just finished with where it's like, if my parents had told me that this thing was true for my entire life, I would have felt very betrayed. Um, it's odd to me that other kids don't apparently, um, or at least if they do, they've hidden it from me, from the kids that I knew who believed it when we were growing up. Um, but that was, a, that was my hard line is that I think it is, I think that it is morally wrong because it is lying. Um, though you do make a good point in terms of judging. Um, but I think it's morally wrong and I just think it's foolish uh, because you are setting your kids up to question the very thing that you're telling them. Um, like, if you're going to spend nine years trying to teach your kids for 11 months out of the year that there's this guy in the sky named God who watches you every right. day. And then that 12th month of the year, instead of God watching you, there's Santa's watching you. He also has a big white beard um, and he also judges <laughs> and the things God, you do. And is God checking a list twice, you know? Right. Like it doesn't make any sense to me that you would then expect them to, to take you at your word about Jesus um, but, you know, just move on with their life at 9 or 10 when they find out Santa's not real. To me, you'll hear someone, and, and I heard it in my head as you were talking, you know, the, the, the counter-argument, like, bro, it's just innocent fun. It's just innocent fun. Okay. Then why do you have to tell them it's true for it to be innocent fun? Right. We have I love Pokemon. I've loved Pokemon for a long time. I've known the entire time they're not real. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, incre- incredibly, like my kids also enjoyed Jungle Book. Yeah. And they were introduced to the, the cartoon of Jungle Book, Mowgli. And then, like, they came out with, like, this crazy movie where it's, like, actual, an actual kid and, and uh, a real bear. And at no point were my kids like, well, then this must be true. <laughs> like, they even saw, like, the, the real version of it as being like, well, this is fanciful. And I love it. It's great. It's a blast. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't have to believe um, that Rocky Balboa was a real person for me to enjoy Rocky's Rocky 1, 2, 3, and 4. No one enjoyed the other ones. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. Like, you don't have to believe something. My point, my point, and I've always come back to this. Like, you don't, you don't have to believe something is real to enjoy it. No. I think the same thing is true with Santa Claus. Like, like, we enjoy Thanksgiving. We know there were no pilgrims. Right. That's all a myth. There were no Indians. We all made that up. <laughs> and we a have kid. a good time. That's a joke. Yeah. That's a kid. <laughs> Yeah, I was waiting for where you were going with that one. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get some. The 4th of July, we celebrate Independence Day. That didn't happen. Yeah. There's no America. There is, we're still a colony. Hey, there are some conspiracy theories that we're Oh, no. Oh, this is right. where we're this going. Go. Go. <laughs> Spice Daddy. Australia's not real. Well, anyway, fellas, thank you so much for being on the Outlaw Radio Show. This is, hey, Merry Christmas. This is the last episode. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We won't be back in the swing of things till the first Wednesday. Of, of the new year. Um, so, again, ha- Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, Merry you guys are blessed. Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> we wish Man, that you was a Merry the Christmas. most anemic. I know. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> it was like a room full of crazy Scrooge McDuck, I know you don't want anything for Christmas. Uh, of course I don't. It, uh, I'm not going to get you anything. I appreciate it. Uh, I will it. honor your, your request and keep my money. I appreciate uh, it. But, Scrooge, you, uh, you enjoy yourself. You as well, and all y'all, Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Anything you guys want to add? We'll check out. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Spice Daddy? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, The show is live streamed every Wednesday. Again, we're taking two weeks off. We'll be back at the beginning of the year. The audio is released of the live stream on our podcast. It's available on Apple, Google, Spotify. Quick links, visit outlawradio.org. Uh, if you are already a podcast listener, again, stress the live show. We stream on YouTube, outlawradio.live, as well as facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, again, my name is Zach Adams. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being with us this year. 2021 it has been an interesting year. Lots of ups, lots of downs. We kind of rebranded the show and changed kind of the direction of, of what we're doing. And we feel like the Lord has been blessing it. So enjoy yourself. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. And look forward to you joining us again this time in two weeks for more of the Outlaw Radio Show. Good night, folks.